Meet 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni. With powerful 8,000 PA suction and MopMaster's dual mop pads, it keeps your floor sparkling clean. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards, and Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode contains distressing themes and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. To hear ad-free versions of our episodes a few days before their general release, head to patreon.com forward slash they walk among us. They Walk Among Us is part of the Acast Creator Network. You are a farmer's daughter, and you expected to become a farmer's wife. When your fiancé broke off the engagement and married another woman, you wrought upon the newly married couple a terrible revenge. You planned in cold fury and executed with ruthless precision the killing of your rival. Mr. Justice White, Leeds Crown Court, May 1991. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 4 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. William Smith was on his way home to Broats Farm in the village of Salton, North Yorkshire, 
he was expecting to meet his wife Jane, who had worked a long shift as a nurse at Rosewood Nursing Home in Malton. It was just before midnight on Tuesday, December 13th, 1988. Temperatures had dropped, ranging from a chilly 1 to 5 degrees Celsius. The rain was bitterly cold. As William drove his red pickup truck down the dark farm lane, he noticed something on the muddy track that he could not quite make out. The headlights illuminated the driveway. William immediately jammed on the brakes, bringing the vehicle to a sudden stop. It was abundantly clear the object in his path was not a thing. It was a person. It was his wife, Jane. She was lying in the mud in front of the barn. Some of her clothes were ripped from her body and she had been thrown to the ground. Jane Smith had been executed and it looked as though she had been sexually assaulted too. After the police were notified and rushed to the scene, officers searched for the murder weapon and the other items that were missing, like Jane's shoes and her wedding ring. It was clear her body had been moved, dragged for several metres away from the area where she was killed. A pool of blood was visible. Nearby, investigators found a cartridge from a 22 caliber rifle and a set of tyre tracks that had not come from William or Jane's car. Jane Smith's body was taken to be examined by home office pathologist Dr. Seaver, who conducted a post-mortem. It was determined that Jane had been shot in the back of the head. The bullet had travelled upwards from the base of her skull through the top part of her brain. The bullet wound was inflicted at close range, meaning the gun would have been behind Jane's head or pressed directly against it. The way Jane's clothes had been strewn across the farmyard led investigators to think the crime scene had been orchestrated to look like a sexually motivated murder. Detective Superintendent Robin Cooper said at the time, We believe the person who went to the farm did so with the sole intention of killing Jane Smith. This was not an indiscriminate killing. A bizarre number of events had taken place at the scene. The body was found partly clothed, and it looked as though the scene had been stage-managed to give the appearance of a sexual attack. We believe the answer to this murder lies somewhere in the farm and the people who have lived or worked here, and associates of Jane and William Smith. The detective revealed that they had yet to find someone who had spoken ill of the victim, as 30 officers assigned to the investigation began door-to-door inquiries. She did not appear to have any enemies, and investigators were then unaware of anyone that had a grudge so intense they would commit such a brutal murder. The Home Office Large Major Inquiry System, or HOMES, which had been set up by the police in the wake of the Yorkshire Ripper Inquiry to deal with the large-scale investigation, was employed to identify Jane Smith's killer. 
Within days, the police had narrowed down their search to former partners of Jane's husband. One neighbour said, William is a handsome man who had several girlfriends before he met Jane. He left a lot of broken hearts. Detective Superintendent Robin Cooper revealed to the press that the couple had been targeted, experiencing unusual and disturbing events several times within the past year. This included an attempted burglary and a failed arson attempt. Detective Superintendent Cooper said, The couple had their suspicions, and these were followed up but there was never any conclusion reached. Police had interviewed a woman after one of the incidents, and she has been spoken to again briefly by us. We are keeping an open mind at this stage. Mr. Smith had a number of girlfriends before they were married, and we are interviewing all of their friends on both sides. Those who knew William Smith knew that he only had two serious partners in his life. Sadly, one was now murdered, and the other fell under a cloud of suspicion. William Smith first met Jane Wilford when they were young. However, Jane would move to Nottingham, and William stayed in Sultan readying himself to take over the family farm. William was athletic and enjoyed playing rugby and football. In 1979, at a social night at the Moulton Rugby Club, he met a woman named Yvonne Slightholm. William began a romantic relationship with the doctor's receptionist, and within a year things progressed to where Yvonne moved in with William at Brote's farm. Yvonne often spoke about marriage, but the couple was still in the early stages of their relationship. William was not ready to take that next step, which caused tension between the two of them. The conflict regarding settling down finally led to a breakup. However, the couple got back together when Yvonne broke some devastating news to William. She had been diagnosed with leukaemia. William feared that the stress of permanently separating would worsen Yvonne's illness, and she returned to live with him at Brote's farm. Years passed, and miraculously Yvonne's condition improved. The couple settled down, got engaged and set a date for the wedding. Although unbeknownst to Yvonne, William's heart was not in it. He pined for Jane Wilford, his first serious girlfriend. Jane visited her parents in Moulton near the farm every so often, and on one occasion when Jane and William bumped into each other, Jane expressed concern that her childhood sweetheart was being conned into a relationship that was not right for him. Soon after, Jane confessed to William that she had always hoped it would be her that he married. Following this admission, the two began an affair. Yvonne was completely unaware of what was going on 
She was preoccupied as she planned the wedding. It was a day she had always dreamed of. She purchased the perfect dress, booked the venue and sent the invitations for April 1987. However, William eventually admitted that he could not go through with the ceremony. To his surprise, Yvonne suddenly announced that she had been six or seven weeks pregnant, but had miscarried on the way to work. Suspicious, William did not believe her and soon discovered that Yvonne had feigned leukemia to get him back. William told Yvonne that he was in love with Jane and intended to be with her instead. The relationship ended in January, and Jane moved into Broat's farm just a month later. The following year, there was a wedding, but Yvonne's slight home was not the bride. In May 1988, William Smith and Jane Wilford got married in a church ceremony, and marital bliss followed. However, there was a growing sense of unease. Strange things began to happen at their farmhouse. The phone would ring at odd hours, and the voice on the other end of the line would make violent threats. Also, an unsettling, dangerous incident occurred when their barn was the target of an arson attack. Equally troubling was a funeral wreath that arrived at the couple's door that bore Jane's name. Naturally, the husband and wife suspected Yvonne. Who else would hold a grudge against the newlyweds other than a jilted ex-fiancé? But by all accounts, Yvonne seemed to be doing just fine without William. She had started a new relationship with an ambulance driver, Anthony Barry. Anthony was Yvonne's alibi for the night Jane was murdered. According to Yvonne, the couple were out of town. In fact, they were out of the country. When the police were told of Yvonne Slightholm's possessive behaviour toward her ex-fiancé, they went to question her. Yvonne seemed to be genuinely shocked when she was told about Jane's murder. When asked where she was on the night Jane was killed, she said that she had rented a holiday cottage north of the border in the town of Kelso in Scotland. She had booked a fortnight away with her new partner. But interestingly, when the police went to check her alibi, the cottage owner said that she had not seen Yvonne that night and she would have known if Yvonne was there because her dog would have barked. The investigators would also learn that Yvonne's father owned a 22 calibre rifle. Coincidentally, it had been stolen in the days before the murder, but reappeared at the family home next to a barn the day after Jane was killed. Yvonne's parents' home was around 15 miles from Broat's farm, and witnesses reported seeing Yvonne's Ford Fiesta in Moulton on the night of the murder. When experts compared the tyre tracks to the tyres on Yvonne's car, they felt confident it was a match. And when they searched inside the vehicle, officers found bloodstains, 
the rare blood type corresponded with Jane Smith. It seemed to be an open and shut case. Yvonne's light home had been caught in a lie about her alibi, so who was to say that she was not lying when she began to protest her innocence? Perplexingly, following Yvonne's light home's arrest, something strange happened. She began to lose sight in one eye, and shortly after she lost sight in the other. Eventually, Yvonne would be completely blind in her right eye and only able to detect changes in light in her left. Doctors could find no medical cause for her sudden loss of sight, and eventually it was put down to, quote, hysterical blindness. The term was used to describe what is now known as conversion disorder. This is when a person begins to experience physical symptoms without a known cause, often as a result of stressful situations or trauma. When Yvonne Slightone reported that she was blind, it was thought to be a temporary condition, if it was to be believed at all. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, Headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. 
The trial began at Leeds Crown Court in April 1991. By this point, Yvonne Slighthome was registered as blind, needing a cane and assistance from a chaperone. She had spent over a year in Durham Prison, with many of the other inmates and prison officers sceptical of her claims. Barrister Paul Worsley QC had requested bail for his client months earlier and told the court that Yvonne's condition had caused enormous difficulties for the defence as they prepared for the trial. Yvonne's slight home was granted bail a few months before the legal proceedings began and was supported by her parents and siblings, who believed she was innocent. Stephen Williamson QC opened for the Crown, telling the court that after William Smith left Yvonne months before their wedding date and instead married Jane, quote, there had been planted a heavy resentment and hatred that was finally to result in the killing of Jane Smith. The prosecutor submitted that Yvonne knew some of William's routines, for instance, that he played five-a-side football with friends on Tuesday nights. She was also aware he would not be home the night Jane was murdered. The Crown's case argued that Yvonne Slighthome had taken the 22 calibre rifle from her father's gun cabinet and planned to kill Jane Smith when no one else was around. It was alleged Yvonne drove from the holiday cottage in Scotland to Broats Farm, a distance of just over 140 miles, lay in wait for her love rival to return home from work. After confronting her, Yvonne forced Jane toward a barn at gunpoint. Yvonne killed Jane with a single shot to the back of the head, before staging the scene to make it appear to be a sexually motivated murder. The evidence against Yvonne Slighthome seemed overwhelming. After hearing about her relationship with the victim's husband, the jury were presented with a picture of a woman scorned. The circumstantial evidence that linked her to the crime was bolstered by the contention that Yvonne's car had been at the scene based on the conclusions of experts who took impressions of tyre tracks left in the mud. Yvonne's father's gun was likely to be the murder weapon, and blood matching Jane Smith's rare blood type was found in Yvonne's car. Yvonne's slight home would eventually admit to being at the farm when Jane was killed, but she revealed a rather extraordinary story. She said that she had been having an affair with William while he was married to Jane, and they had arranged to meet in the town of Pickering on the night of the murder, but William did not turn up. When she called him, William supposedly told her to meet him at the farm. Yvonne testified to the court, When I got there, he pulled me into the kitchen, he was not nice at all. Two men were let into the kitchen by William. He picked up a bag and said, This is the end. I'm never going to see you again. He looked at me and it was the coldest stare I'd ever been given in my life. He was looking straight through me with hate and coldness. 
Yvonne Slight Home claimed that after William left the kitchen, another man came in with what she believed was a gun. She said that she heard a car pull up outside and a woman's voice say, Oh my God, you are not going to do it here. Yvonne described how she became hysterical and started screaming before being hit on the head and rendered unconscious. When she woke up, Yvonne said the men warned her, If you tell the pigs, we will kill your sister and her two little girls. The defendant stated that she did not tell the police what had happened because she feared for her sister and nieces. While William Smith appeared to be an upstanding member of the community, Yvonne Slighthome told the court that she believed he was having a homosexual affair with his former English teacher. When she confronted him, William also allegedly confessed that he was involved in a drugs ring. What's more, according to Yvonne, William had wanted to divorce Jane, but he could not because she would get half of his farm in the separation, a property reportedly worth a quarter of a million pounds and spread over almost 1,500 acres. During cross-examination, Paul Worsley QC confronted William Smith with the allegation that he hired hit men to kill his wife. The barrister said, I have to suggest to you that by the end of November 1988, you had decided to do away with your wife. I suggest that you were not prepared to bring about her death by pulling the trigger yourself, but that you did possibly through men who had met through your drug involvement. Three men were brought by you to your farm that night. Despite your protestations to Yvonne between July and December 1988, you were prepared to abandon her as well. If the finger of suspicion was pointed at her, that would relieve a great weight from your mind. William Smith denied every allegation made by his former partner's barrister and insisted that the seven months he spent married to Jane were the happiest months of his life. The defence argued that someone else had stolen Yvonne's father's gun, shot Jane Smith and then returned the rifle to Yvonne's parents' property, leaving it outside where it would easily be found. Furthermore, the Home Office pathologist Dr Siva had said that the angle of the bullet fired into Jane's head indicated that she had been killed by someone who was adept at using firearms. Dr Siva said, If it's a question of two choices, between a lucky amateur and a professional killer, then I would have to say a professional killer. Despite the blood evidence found in Yvonne's car, the defence counsel asserted that no blood had been found on any clothing belonging to the accused. Paul Worsley QC told the court, So if Yvonne Slighthome is the killer, she managed to get rid of all the blood from her clothes, having left it in abundance in her car. The defence tried to imply that William Smith was indifferent after his wife's murder as one of the police sergeants involved in the investigation was questioned on the stand. The defence barrister asked, 
At no stage from Mr. Smith were there any hysterics, no outbursts, no threats, no trying to get to the body. He was just unemotional. The officer replied, That's correct. Offering a reason as to why he might have seemed composed, William Smith stated, The worst thing is trying to hide my emotions since Jane's death. I was brought up to believe a man did his crying on his own, but I have cried a lot in the fields around here and on my pillow in bed at night. After nearly six hours of deliberations, the jury could not reach a unanimous verdict, so the judge agreed he would accept a 10-2 majority. Yvonne collapsed in the dock upon hearing the verdict and had to be supported by guards of the court. Yvonne Slighthome was found guilty of murder. Before delivering his sentence, the presiding judge said that Yvonne Slighthome had tried to frame William Smith with a, quote, wickedly false story. According to Mr Justice Waite, Yvonne's conviction would clear William Smith of the character assassination attempts. It would also allow him to resume his place in society as a man entitled to both sympathy and respect. The judge said that he would take Yvonne Slighthome's blindness into consideration when passing the mandatory life sentence. Mr Justice Waite imposed a minimum term of 10 years. Jane Smith's parents criticised the authorities for failing to investigate the harassment their daughter and her husband had faced before Jane's murder. Her mother Ruth said she was convinced Jane would be alive if the police had acted on the clear warnings made by the couple. Detective Superintendent Jeff Cash said that the police were only made aware of the majority of the harassment incidents after the killing. William Smith spoke to a reporter for the Express newspaper in the wake of the trial. He described how his life had been left in ruins following his wife's murder. Asked about how he felt toward Jane's killer, William said, I believe it is right that she should pay for her crime, but I feel no bitterness towards her. I can't say what my feelings are towards Yvonne. She is no longer the woman I used to know. I don't know whether she is mentally ill. That is for the psychiatrist to decide. William also discussed the events with a correspondent for the Daily Mirror. Quote, I don't know whether Yvonne is mad or bad. I just want to put her behind me. Yvonne did not just take Jane from me. She wrecked other lives too. Jane's mother will never recover from what happened. My own mother is afraid to leave home now. How could she do it? I ask myself the question often and find no answer. 
but I do know that this Yvonne is not the woman I loved and was going to marry. That was a sweet, gentle person. Perhaps I loved an illusion. William said that he had Jane's wedding ring replaced before she was buried, and said, Yvonne removing the ring after killing Jane hurt me as deeply as anything. People have suggested it was a symbol, that it represented something Yvonne had been denied, and she wanted to deprive Jane of it too. It was the final act of someone determined to rob me of Jane, my wife, but I was determined that Jane would be buried as my wife and nothing else. I returned to the jeweller who sold me the ring, and he replaced it. William Smith voiced his unease to those close to him about how he feared he was going to face a life of isolation after Jane's death. A friend of his told the Express newspaper, That farm is his heritage, which he would never leave. But what other woman would want to live there after what has happened? It would, however, later emerge that William Smith was courting a barmaid named Kath following the murder. The pair had met two weeks after Jane was killed. They would eventually go on to marry. Yvonne Slightholm's first appeal was heard in January 1993. Her family were convinced of her innocence, and they spoke to a journalist from the Guardian newspaper. Discussing how he perceived his sister's former partner, David Slightheim Yvonne's brother, said that William Smith was, quote, as deep as any bottomless well you've ever come across. I'm a farmer and William Smith's a farmer, but there was never any farming talk between us and other farmers tell me the same. As a family, we never had much time for him, but we put up with him for Yvonne's sake and never said anything. We didn't want to lose her. Speaking about her daughter, Yvonne's mother also said she would have done almost anything for him, gone anywhere. She loved him that much. You see, that's why she came down from Kelso on the night of the killing. He just had to click his fingers and Yvonne came running. David Slightholm spoke about his father's gun being the murder weapon and how it had appeared back at the farm after Jane was killed. He said, We found the gun next to an outbuilding the morning after the killing. Yvonne was supposed to have done the murder, driven 15 miles here, dropped off the gun and then driven up to Kelso, Why leave it by an outbuilding? Why risk being seen near her home? The family also mentioned how an apple core had been found at the scene. David Slightholm believed it should have been stored as evidence and compared to dental impressions, but it was thrown away. He also questioned how his sister could have moved Jane's body placing it into the boot of her car like the prosecution had alleged she had done. David asked, 
ever tried lifting someone your own weight and in a muddy farmyard. Yvonne's light home would later speak with a correspondent for the journal newspaper and said that she had given a statement to the police about what had happened at the farm. However, a detailed account of that night was not admitted into evidence at her trial. She said, I was gang-raped by three men. I never killed Jane and have always maintained my innocence. The men told me I was not allowed to move and I was petrified. They grabbed me, hit my head against the wall and all of them raped me. It is only now that I have been able to talk about the rape after having counselling in prison. My only regret is that they didn't kill me. It was horrendous. Ultimately, Yvonne Slightholm's first appeal failed, and Yvonne remained in prison, still unable to see. In 1994, William Smith brought a civil lawsuit against the Guardian newspaper for an article titled Blind Justice. He argued that the article implied he was guilty of killing his wife. William Smith won the libel case, and the newspaper was ordered to pay compensation. A few years later, the Home Secretary would rule out the possibility of a new hearing for Yvonne Slightheim, but it was decided that the Criminal Cases Review Commission would analyse the case to determine whether Yvonne was entitled to an appeal. The CCRC was set up in the aftermath of the Birmingham Six case and six innocent men were sentenced to life in prison for bombing a pub. The convictions were quashed in 1991, and the CCRC was established to restore confidence in the justice system. Two members of the public with no connection to Yvonne Slightheim had begun campaigning for the case to be reopened and petitioned the commission. In documents protesting that the conviction was unsafe, Margaret Leonard and David Hamilton argued that several issues needed to be examined, such as a bloody handprint that was discovered inside the car. They felt it was much larger than Yvonne's hand. The jury were only told about one boot print found at the scene when there had in fact been a number of unidentified prints. This potentially supported Yvonne's claim that there had been several unknown individuals, who she suggested were hitmen, at the farm. There was also a gap in the fence at the back of the property, which the campaigners felt the killers could have utilised to escape. However, in spite of the issues raised, the Commission found there were no grounds to appeal and Yvonne Slightholm's conviction was safe. The CCRC would only have referred a conviction to the Court of Appeal if there was a prospect it would not be upheld. In this case, they did not believe that was a possibility. 
Campaigner Margaret Leonard felt that Yvonne Slightholm would have been granted parole or moved to an open prison from Stalin, Cheshire, if she had not maintained her claims of innocence. What's more, as the end of Yvonne's minimum term of ten years drew closer, a supporter said that they had uncovered new evidence which might prove her innocence. They claim that a man was seen in a white car at around midday in the lane near the farm, a few days before the murder. When a delivery driver approached him and asked for directions to Broat's farm, he was able to tell them where to go. As the delivery driver left the farm over an hour later, he saw the white car driving towards the farm. The driver of the vehicle was described as wearing a white coat under his overcoat, and what was believed to be medical equipment was on the back seat of the car. Campaigner Margaret Leonard said, We don't believe he was in any way involved in the murder, but believe he may just have an important bit of information which could assist us in our investigations. We have reason to believe he was a friend of Jane Smith, whose maiden name was Wilford, and he was on his way to visit her. We also have reason to believe he later attended Jane's funeral. Yvonne's supporters requested that the man get in touch, but nothing came of the appeal. Yvonne's slight home sight had worsened while in jail, and she was recommended for a transfer to a low-security open prison in 1997. The parole board would, however, refuse to grant the move, highlighting that Yvonne had not completed the rehabilitation courses or addressed the circumstances surrounding the crime. The board believed this meant she still represented a danger to the community. One of Yvonne's supporters, David Hamilton, said their conclusion was absurd. The board had supposedly not permitted her to participate in the courses, which addressed the reasons for a crime, a crime which Yvonne insisted she never committed. It was also argued that she posed no threat to the community because she had been blind since early 1989. Campaigners attempted to take the case to the European courts. However, this too was also denied. The Court of Appeal referred to the fact that Yvonne Slightheim had at one point entered a plea of diminished responsibility. But she now claimed that at that time, she did not understand what that meant. Yvonne later said, I was very frightened before the trial and his suggestion was not what I was expecting. You trust a lawyer to give you professional advice without always understanding what they are saying. I want justice for myself and want justice for Jane. Despite serving the minimum sentence imposed, Yvonne Slightholm was denied parole or removed to a prison closer to her elderly parents. Describing how if Yvonne had confessed to the murder and taken courses to address offending behaviour, she would now be on her way out of prison, supporter Margaret Leonard told the press. 
The fact that she will not confess is a factor strongly in her favour, but she is adamant that she will not do so, even though that effectively means she has no prospect of release. The law states that claiming you're innocent is not a bar to being released, but the system seems to say otherwise. Speaking with journalist Mike Laycock from Stahl Prison in 2002, Yvonne said that she would not lie to gain her freedom as she valued the truth above everything else. She stated, I can understand if people don't believe me. After all, I was convicted by a jury. All I can say is I know what happened that night and I was not responsible for that terrible murder. No one deserves to die like Jane did. When asked how she had coped with being blind in prison, Yvonne replied, It's been hard. I've been beaten up. People try to catch me out by throwing shoes at me to see if I duck. That sort of thing. I was the first registered blind prisoner they ever had at Durham. Prisons are not equipped to cope with anyone with physical disabilities. I would desperately love to be able to see again. I've never seen my nieces grow up. He learned to survive. Prison chaplains had also joined the campaign to have Yvonne Slight's home released from prison. They believed that she was a model inmate who they feared would be lost in the system because she refused to admit guilt. A report by a psychiatrist concluded that Yvonne's blindness resulted from post-traumatic stress disorder. There was no telling if she would ever regain her sight. A solicitor from the Bar Pro Bono Unit for Assistance joined the campaign to free Yvonne's light time. But every avenue of appeal led to a dead end. So where are we now? A mistake by the parole board meant that Yvonne Slighthome was kept in a medium security prison based on inaccurate information, specifically the use of reports from psychologists, officers and a prison governor which was several years old. She was eventually granted a transfer to a lower security prison before ultimately being released in 2005. The moves were to allow her elderly parents to visit. However, her father passed away a few months before she was released. Yvonne returned to live with her family. In campaigner David Hamilton told the press they would continue to fight to clear her name. There have been no updates on the case since Yvonne's release. People remain divided on whether or not Yvonne Slighthome killed her love rival, or whether she was framed by someone else and wrongfully imprisoned for over a decade and a half. Thank you for listening. 
and special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Ruby Frankie was known by millions as a very tough mom. That's exactly the way she wanted it. The social media star amassed a huge following of supporters and detractors alike, preaching the values of strict discipline. But you'll learn in a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus how the small empire built by this momfluencer crumbled the moment her 12-year-old son escaped their home and called 911. Wondery and Law and & Crime bring you the new podcast, the Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie, which explores the allegations of starvation, torture, and emotional abuse leveled against Frankie and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt. Learn about the family's path to stardom, the depravity investigators uncovered inside the home, and hear in-depth analysis of the ongoing criminal trial. Listen to The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie exclusively and ad-free on Wondery+. Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.